Part 1. What are offices for? When we started this project in April, we were seized by the fact that millions of office workers who have generally operated within full-time office cultures had been required in March to transfer almost overnight to working from home, whether they liked the idea or not. Our work over some years now has been with leaders who run organisations that seek to be the best within their industry or sector, and so we knew that they would take this challenge in their stride. Whilst the lockdown was the last thing that any of them wanted, once it became a fact of life, they were bound to pour their energies into keeping their businesses moving forward as much as possible. In the early weeks of lockdown, we were really struck by the number of leaders who would say things were going remarkably well. They would, for example, recount how they were talking to more of their staff more regularly than they ever did when they all worked in the same building, whilst also achieving a better overall balance between their work and family life. As the weeks went by and Zoom fatigue crept in, together with high levels of anxiety about the financial impact of the lockdown, energy levels could plunge very quickly. Throughout this time, however, we all continued to appreciate how digital working was proving to be so much more successful than most people had ever expected or imagined. From the beginning of lockdown, we did wonder whether this great act of disruption would herald the beginning of a period of fundamental change in the pattern of working across offices and homes. Having become used to the relative marginalisation of remote working across many sectors of the economy, might it be possible that, with the pendulum having swung to the other end of the spectrum, it would actually remain there after lockdown? For a period of time, we explored whether a new formula might emerge to determine the relationship between home working and office working. Instead of 70% of employees experiencing only office work, as was the case in 2019, might we now be moving towards a situation where within a few years, 70% of employees would be defining themselves mainly as home workers? Or might the figure be even higher, with those who can work from home without compromising their effectiveness, do so for four days a week, or spend roughly one day a week with colleagues, either in a collaborative hub or visiting clients? Should employers have a view on this, or should they let the preference of their employees determine the right balance between home and office working? This led us to consider the notion of offices as creative hubs. Whilst we were drawn to the principle of employee choice, we recognised that the whole notion of personal choice had been completely turned on its head with millions of people being forced to become home workers literally overnight with no choice over their decision. We also felt that we couldn't just keep on talking about office working without challenging ourselves as to exactly what the office is for and how necessary it is to businesses achieving the sort of brand and culture that they want going forward. We quickly agreed that the main role of offices in future would be to provide centres for staff collaboration and creativity, for informal networking and a host of events involving clients and partners and external stakeholders. We were excited by the vision of offices becoming creative hubs that are the go-to places for teams to meet up and talk through how they can best support each other in ramping up the quality of their services for clients. How can one not be enthused by the notion of offices being transformed into high-energy, imaginative and dynamic centres where staff pursue together the limitless possibilities open to entrepreneurial leaders and teams?
This led us to the principle of personal choice. Having started off wondering whether a new formula might emerge that would capture the new balance between office and homeworking, we quickly realised that this idea doesn't really face up to the scale of the challenge that COVID-19 has posed for all businesses of all sizes across all sectors. It is true that many of the prejudices commonly expressed over the years about homeworkers working from home today, are you? Nudge, nudge. Have been challenged by this becoming a near universal experience. This in itself must surely be a good thing. In future, most organisations can be expected to develop their own particular blend between office working and home working and other remote working. This blend is bound to vary at any point in time, with many CEOs still wanting to champion the principle of personal choice as the key determinant of where people work. To quote Sarah Walker-Smith, Chief Executive of national law firm Shakespeare Martineau, As long as my people are delivering fantastic client service, building great teams with their colleagues, remaining contactable and delivering their objectives, I am not concerned about where, when and how they do their work. So, we focused on how digital working is changing relationships at work and what leaders see as the key benefits and drawbacks. So what are the pros and cons of digital? As the lockdown went on, a number of members of our oversight team became much more confident in describing the positive impact that digital working was having on their business. According to Ben Wilson, CEO of management consultancy Grovelands, we have talked about being one team for a long time, but it took us all working from home for this to come together. Projects that proved difficult to define and deliver in the physical world have come together online. Communication has never been so effective. Annabel Berry, CEO of cybersecurity specialist Sapphire, had a similar experience. There has been a real sense of everyone pulling together in this time of crisis. The level of communication and collaboration across divisions in sharing information and intelligence has definitely increased, which has been so valuable to the business. Against this, some other leaders still felt that the quality of conversation on screen didn't compare favourably with that when people were in the same room, especially when there were more than four or five online at the same time. At one of our team meetings, one member said that online meetings quickly became transactional because it's easier for people to avoid showing any vulnerability. People can retreat further into their particular postage stamp if they are challenged on anything. Another CEO said that whilst her team used to avoid showing vulnerability online in the early stages of lockdown, they were achieving powerful results now that they'd all got used to using the breakout rooms and chat facilities in Zoom more creatively. During this time, we were careful to remind ourselves that whilst we need to assess our experiences of digital working in a critical light, we should compare them with our experiences of office working up to lockdown and not how we would like it to become at some moment of heightened creativity in future. In countless staff surveys across all sectors, Millions of office workers have described their experience of physical meetings as dispiriting and overly time-consuming and far from creative. Meetings in the same physical sphere that are billed beforehand as tough conversations often end up as highly transactional. 
In both the physical and virtual spheres, many leaders still have too many meetings that are too long and devote too much time to issues that don't require the presence of everyone involved. There surely is a great scope for shorter online meetings and devoting a greater proportion of meeting time to conversation and appreciative inquiry and less to information giving and presentations. We need to be able to mix the digital and the physical. As we move through the transition period in which all organisations are required to become COVID compliant, more and more look set to come up with their own particular blend between office and home working. It is self-evident that blended leaders need to be able to operate effectively in both the physical and digital spheres. It can't be an option for top performing leaders to say that they are great in one of these spheres and way below par in the other. The challenge now is to do with how organisations mix the digital and the physical, and especially how they balance the different preferences among members of their teams for working in these two spheres. For a good number of chief executives, what is so encouraging is that in taking on this challenge, they will build on improving relationships across their organisation. As Annabel Berry puts it, working via video conferencing has dramatically improved relationships and communication across the management teams within our business. This has been a really welcome surprise. As time has gone on, these meetings or calls have become more efficient and effective, and we will definitely continue with them moving forward. As we quote Annabelle's words, we can imagine some wondering how widespread this experience has really been. So we also want to share some words from a note by Emma Nichols, Director of Employee Experience and People Insights for the City and Guilds Group, that capture her organisation's positive experience of digital working during the lockdown. We went almost overnight from 9% of contracted home workers to every colleague working from home. Through this extreme experiment, we have seen better collaboration, better and more transparent communication and improved support for our customers. We don't want to lose the lessons and capability we've gained through this experience by reverting back. One of the most important factors that will stop businesses from reverting back is the simple truth that no one can say with any confidence that COVID-19 will be the last pandemic to force us back into our homes. In businesses with a proven capacity for home working, every leader will surely want to feel that if we ever encounter COVID-21 or COVID-25 or some other biological threat that forces us into national lockdown in future, that they are ready to operate as full-time home workers. In future, businesses need to be ready for any eventuality. This must surely mean that even those that revert back almost entirely to office working will encourage their people to retain a capacity for home working over a significant period of time. Over the next few years, we foresee a huge growth in the number of businesses in which the vast majority of employees work from home. The larger the headcount, the more likely it is there will be a small proportion of staff working in a hub because their personal circumstances make it extremely difficult to do concentrated quality work from home. From a position of knowing that their staff will be called upon to travel only occasionally, these employers can gain all of the benefit of recruiting from across the wider UK labour market and in some cases across international labour markets. 
they have the capability to create tightly defined specialist niches more quickly than was ever possible in the days where employers felt bound to recruit staff living within fairly limited travel to work areas. They should be able to combine international staff teams with international client markets in a way that is truly exciting for agile business startups. In just about every sector, one can imagine these new home-based startups taking on the established players very quickly, given the revolution in attitudes internationally towards people working from home.